Welcome to episode 329 of Destination Linux. Destination Linux is a video podcast from the Tux Digital Network. And if you're new to the show, this is the podcast that is perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Michael. I'm Jill. And I'm Ryan. And on this week's episode, we're going to discuss the new productivity desktop that is being made by System76. And then we're going to be discussing some news from Red Hat. Oh, Lord, what are they doing now? Oh, boy. Let me guess. Communication thing. Well, that's the controversial part of it is the communication aspects, but we'll get to that. Plus, we also have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All of this and so much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. This week, our community feedback comes from Jason. If you want to send in your own feedback, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact and send us an email or join our forum at tuxdigital.com slash forum. You can also find us on Discord. Want to hang out, game with the community, or just chat about Linux? Go to tuxdigital.com slash Discord. Jason wanted to tell us this in Destination Linux 326. In Destination Linux 326, you were talking about swapping DEs on immutable distros. That is possible, and you can maintain multiple images with multiple layers and swap layers. NixOS can do this, but that gets a bit messy. So we did ask that question to the community of whether that was possible in immutable OSs, and it's pretty awesome that it can be done, although that last sentence scares me a little bit that it could get messy. Uh, installing multiple DEs in immutable OS, you know, I would imagine you might have... Uh, all kinds of different configuration problems and that stuff. But Jill, you actually tried this. So how messy did it get? Was it like uh, me baking a cake (laughs) messy or what? Nothing. No, not at all. Um, You know, I actually checked this out on the mutable Linux distro uh, blend OS. And um, actually on the blend OS webpage, it states any packages, including DEs get installed to a forward slash user overlay. So you aren't touching the main root file system. So I installed Windowmaker and it worked just fine. I was able to go back and forth between different DEs without any problem. And on Vanilla OS, another great immutable distro, you can install a DE like XFCE using AB root. And yeah, I'd actually myself hadn't tried to install other DEs and window managers in these distros until now. So it was a good question. (laughs) You know what's weird is I've tried every distro, major and non-distro that possibly I've ever come across. But for some reason, I've never played with an immutable OS except for once. Back Mm. when Fedora Silverblue first came out, I tried it and it like crashed into something. And I was like, well, that's it. And I've never Mm. gone back. Immutable well, OS. Clearly, I don't know what it is. I know why what it is, I'm Ryan. avoiding immutable OSs because they seem really cool. I just don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know for, what it is. For people who don't know, I can tell you, Ryan, you're okay. clearly the type who loves to tinker and change everything, including all defaults. <laughs> yeah, you like the. Demons. So I, it makes sense that you wouldn't use an immutable then because you wouldn't be able to do all that stuff, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. All those changes I love to make. You love changing sense. everything, like, and not even just like the layer on top, but like you like to go in and change out the kernel and all this stuff. It's just oh yeah, totally. Yeah. That's <laughs> me. Let That's alone me. the wallpaper. <laughs> no, he leaves the wallpaper on principle. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I complain about wallpapers on distros that most people are like, well, you just click and change it. I'm like, 
yeah, but I leave it default. And so <laughs> the default one they give me matters, okay? But everything else I'm going to change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, Michael, I do want to give an announcement to people because the whole Immutable OS conversation kind of came up because, Michael, you were a bad boy, very naughty, and were updating your machines. That's, like, d- that's ridiculous. And when I say not updating, I mean like really old, like really old stuff like fedora 35 when he came to my house like a couple weeks ago so that's not that it's only two and a half years or so yeah so the announcement that i want to give is that michael not only updated his machine when he came here but he's been keeping his stuff updated and in fact updated before an episode of hardware addicts with wendy and me causing problems because he did it right Zero before. Issues. There was a problem. <laughs> well, the re- uh, I no, think Audacity wasn't working. That's why we went to Tenacity. That was Audacity's fault. Yeah, and we went to yeah. the Tenacity, so that was just a, re- a replacement of the app being, you know, broken uh, to a degree. And But the upgrade is actually multifaceted, right? So I updated my laptop, I updated my desktop, Woo-hoo. and the reason I updated the desktop is because the hardware addicts uh, recording first video recording might have failed because I was using a very old um, browser. Ah. Yeah. And now I'm using an up-to-date browser and it's totally fine. It's It's been working just fine. That's, that's an interesting point to make because for those who don't know, it's a good idea to update. Yeah. yeah. And I've got another amazing <laughs> announcement to make. On the latest Hardware Addicts episode, there's video now, by the way, so you can check it out on Dust yeah, Geek Channel. Watch mm-hmm. video of Hardware Addicts for the first time. Uh, Michael, you know how people made fun of the old thing of you can't download more memory, you can't download more RAM. Michael actually, in this episode, I'm not going to give you the secret of how, and this is true, Michael was able to, through an update, get a brand new video card in his machine. So that's what the secret is in that episode. (laughs) Go find out how Michael ended up with a brand new video card during during the recording of that episode. Yeah. It was so, so it was so quick. Make fun of download more RAM all you want. Michael can download new GPUs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty awesome. But it's back to the topic of the feedback. <laughs> the the point about the it can get messy with the immutable changes of the DE. It also can get messy with changing the DE on any distro, just to make it clear, because there's not really made for that purpose. Some are kind of made, but they're more of like for the experienced user and that sort of thing. So like you can do it with Nix OS, but that's not really made for everybody. That's, a, that's more of an experienced user type distro. And then there's other cases where you can just have an Ubuntu system and then install another DE, but that can also create some conflicts here and there. So the whole messy part, it's more so than just that. I was kind of wanting to see a distro that's kind of doing this process, but in a super easy, like simple way of just switch it from one to the other and have a, a clean switch and that sort of thing. That's not technically possible right now. I would like for that to be possible in the future. That's what I was referring to originally. But it is cool that you can do it because I haven't tried an immutable desktop myself either. And the more and more I learn about all of these different things like Blend and Vanilla, it does make me want to try out all these different things. In the yeah. Nix OS community, and this is a compliment, is Relentless. <laughs> in the best way possible, in a nice way. They're always nice, but they always, they're like the new Arch. They talk about it yeah. all the time. 
uh, about yeah. using Nix OS. So well, I I'm, think I that fear the point when Ryan starts using Nix. If that happens, <laughs> I I'm going to have the Nix OS hat, the Nix OS shirt, the Nix OS background. You know how I go when I go into something. I go big. So I'm respecting the Nix OS community and their passion right now. Aww. They got me. They got me interested. Well, you guys, you do all use an immutable OS. It's called Steam OS on the Steam Deck. That's true. See, we do use one, Michael. Jeez. Well, that's true. I use We're like it on a daily basis. In fact, I use it again to do the show notes for today's show. Maybe I should just use SteamOS. Yeah, on just my everywhere. Machine. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Because it's Arch and I love Arch yes. and it's mutable. And there we go. I will be like a NixOS person, but just for Steam. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a fantastic yeah. idea. Now let me know when you find the ISO for Steam OS three. <laughs> okay, I'll work on it. Which is, you're not going to find it. It's not available, people. <laughs> However, you can get Chimera OS, I guess. That's yeah, kind of an yeah. option. So try that out. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel for many, many years. It is a, it's also their creators of LinStore, which is an industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house. With offices in Europe and North America, they offer 24-7 global support to complement their enterprise offering. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs. It also doesn't have any vendor lock-in, including the hardware that you use, because you can use off-the-shelf hardware just really quickly and easy to get setups. So with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD process, proxy for long-distance replication. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and how they can be a part of an awesome partnership with block storage and more. So this week in the news, Michael, I was reading about Cosmic DE. They had a new blog post out there from System76, and I got giddy. <laughs> and I haven't been giddy about a desktop environment for like a minute, for like a long minute. Usually, I kind of like... Have you heard the wonders of KDE Plasma? I have. <laughs> and that's why I say I haven't been giddy for a desktop environment for quite a while, uh, but what they're doing just, I don't know, it's speaking to me and what I want to do with Linux yeah. uh, in so many yeah. different ways here. So their latest update, uh, you know, it's more about the productivity side of things for System76. And to me, when you look at the Linux desktop environments today, they still feel very much geared towards the enterprise and not towards a desktop user experience. Now, don't get me wrong. In KDE, you can go and customize everything. It's there, but it's there somewhere. Good luck finding it all, unless you've been using it for 20 years. How dare you? Aww. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then there's GNOME, which, uh, where do I start? Uh, if you want to really, customize, it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> it's really beautiful. But it's nice out of the box. The yep. Yes, it is. Really gorgeous out of the box, but customization is this weird world of, you know, plugins and extensions that work sometimes and sometimes don't and all that wacky stuff. And if you want to take your productivity to the next level, then to me, I really fell in love with i3, as you know. I'm the i3 prodigy, uh, self-appointed. 
And uh, so that was a fantastic option or Sway. But you don't really have a desktop, in my opinion, that's simple, beautiful out of the box, but has the productivity capabilities of like an i3. Because that's where i3 really shines is in that productivity side of Mm -hmm. it. And to me, reading what System76 has been doing with Cosmic and where they plan to step in, it looks like they're kind of filling that place that of where I wanted desktop environments to go. And they're focusing very heavily on their tiling integrations, but kind of taking what they have in Cosmic version that they have today, Pop! OS, but taking it to a whole new level of almost the i3 paradigm, where very heavily focused on shortcuts, but also managing windows and stacks and other things that are very important. Like right now, I have eight windows open to do this show. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, just eight. Big, just eight. Come on. Yeah, and, and you have even more. <laughs> yeah. and, and so it's very hard to organize all this. Now I three, I could do a couple of shortcut combinations. I can even go program that every time I open this window, it goes here, and these windows go there. You can do all kinds of those cool things, but you got to kind of program that in and self configure it. Yeah, they're kind of doing stuff to make it all possible to do those similar things, but right through the GUI. It's pretty cool, and I do. I want to clear up something first. There's Two different Cosmic DEs that we're talking about. We're talking about one specifically that's not out yet. It's made on a Rust language, and it is currently in development. There's also the technically the Cosmic desktop that is part of the System76 Pop! OS offering with the GNOME enhancements that they do. So it's based on GNOME, and they have some extensions and tweaks to modify it. And this we're talking about is a completely different DE that also is called Cosmic. And just a quick tip, if you are creating a project and then you create a new project, don't call it the same thing because it makes it a little confusing for no real purpose. Nintendo tried to do this and it didn't work out very well when they made the Wii and then the Wii U because people love the Wii and did not remotely care about the Wii U. Get it? Because of the remote on the Wii. That was deep. Thank you. Very good. You You know, actually, I've decided that I'm... um, I'm done with dad jokes for good, Ryan. Aww. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What calls this? No, I'm only doing it for evil. Oh. So good. And evil at the same time. Uh, uh, there's a lot of really cool <laughs> updates in here. I think it's good to clarify that because people will probably go and download Cosmic right now and be like, oh, I yeah, don't see any of these very changes. very different, yeah. 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 So this is the new desktop environment that they're working on. Uh, to my knowledge, nobody can get a hold of it yet. It's still in, in closed beta. I first want to point out that the, the thing that I'm most interested in is the tiling part. Because you have a nice DE with full tiling. That's great. But I'm not a big fan of the way that the tiling is, works on the current Cosmic where it's based on GNOME. There's, yeah. it, it feels a little clunky and it, it doesn't really flow very well. I think well. it was a very good first attempt, though. Yeah, it was a very was. good that's first fair. attempt. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. But the new, the the videos they showed in their blog post about how the new tiling is going to work with the whole grouping system and the <sighs> like the way you can do like multiple styles where you can do like uh, quadrants or you can do columns and you can do all sorts of stuff. Like that is so very good. interesting. And I am very excited to play with that. Yeah, and the grouping, and and it's very similar to the, how, how uh, Plasma does it as well with the arrow keys. And let's not give yeah. Plasma any more credit. 
then Michael already gives it every single episode. They don't call it grouping. They call it stacking. Windows stacks combine no, windows. They have grouping one or and more. stacking. Yeah, stacking yeah. is different. Well, yeah. Stacks combine multiple windows, mm -hmm. multiple applications like tabs in a web browser, which mm -hmm. is really, really cool. There. This is and interesting be because this is something that Plasma used to be able to do. And I yeah, don't think it, it can right now. <gasps> yeah. Did you just say something that Plasma <laughs> can't do? It used to be able to do. So what you could do is take any window and then kind of create a tabular system with other windows and be able to switch back and forth, even if those applications are completely independent and nothing to do with each other. Yeah. And that was a cool feature that Kwin can do. And I don't remember when they took it out, but it, I, I think this is what they're talking about with this new stacking system, yes. because it kind of reminds me of how the uh, Vivaldi browser uses their stacking system for their stacking tabs. And this seems pretty cool. But the combination of stacking and grouping and all of the stuff that they're showing, I am so excited. And I, uh, hey, when's it coming out? So, so yeah. And me too. You know, I'm especially excited about how they are, you know, bringing those old school desktop integrations like tiling and window stacking in a fresh new way. And yes, stacking, window stacking is a key feature of classic X window managers like my favorite window maker. <laughs> Yep. TWN, Flexbox, FVWM, and Xmonad. So th those uh, functions have been around for a long time, and I am looking forward to seeing how you know how the the fresh perspective that Cosmic has will have on it. Cosmic Rest. They're starting from a different perspective. I feel like than a lot of DE started with. Yeah. And, and going back to that productivity thing, they've already published. It's not even out for alpha for people to test yet. Although. They're saying this latest update this last month fast-tracked it. it. was the words they used towards an alpha release. So I'm getting uh -oh. pretty pumped yeah. to get there and get my hands on this. But they already published all their keyboard shortcuts. And they published it. They're making it yes. a big focal point of the desktop to really have all of these kind of shortcut capabilities, window stacking capabilities, tiling capabilities. Again, focused on that productivity side of things. I think that if... These screenshots that we've been getting for the last few months end up being an accurate, mm -hmm. I mean, meaning it not only does that, but it does it without crashing constantly and all that type of stuff. This is going to be a game changer for the Linux desktop. I think this could be the desktop environment that a lot of people start switching to and want to get their hands on in all the distros because yeah. it's just, it's something new, number one. Yeah. It's kind of built from the ground up. But number two, their approach is just something we don't typically see in a Linux desktop world, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a good, good point because they're doing a combination of design and function, which usually it's one or the other. So I, I like how the, the, the tiling, when you're in the process of uh, moving your windows around, that the background becomes blank, uh, you know, according to the pictures that, that we saw on the, uh, that we see on the website. And that they're, you know, the background's grayed out and they have rounded edges. The windows have rounded edges. It just looks really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice polish. And I do, yeah. what you're saying is like, it makes it a clear indication between when you're using the tiling functionality of actually moving things around versus when you're just using it as a day-to-day -day when, you know, it's yeah. actually being tiled. And a lot of the shortcut keys that they've chosen, Michael, you'll be happy to know, I think makes sense. Super M to maximize Absolutely. your window. <laughs> right? That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Super G to toggle floating window, which is really important in the tiling situation. We have a toggle floating on from time to time. We use that in I3WM all the time. And then super Q to close a window. Quit. Q quit. 
There you go. Well, I think Super Plus M is perfect for maximize window, but it's going to constantly confuse me because on every DE and window manager, I use Super Super M or or Alt M for minimizing. <laughs> yeah, but you could go in there and customize that stuff. Absolutely. I just like the defaults that they've chosen, I think, are good. For instance, to move windows, Super Plus Arrow. So that's like i3, I think, is default as well in, in most distros. But then Super HJKL as well for your Vim users out there. So yeah. they thought about you Vim users. That's true. So. You got that in there, so you can move <laughs> your windows around that way as well, which I think is pretty cool. But yeah, Super Amp yeah, does like make a whole lot of sense for Maximize <laughs> yep. window. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so they to me, again, in looking at all the type of things that they're trying to shortcut as well, you've got your move your windows, move your window focus, mm-hmm. change workspace focus, change display focus. You can do shortcuts for that. Swap windows, toggle stacks. So within the stacks, you can create orientations as well. Like they're thinking of everything here. It's going to be a lot of fun to play with this. So there's one thing I hope they keep, they do keep from GNOME because the, one of the main things that I like about GNOME's design and flow is the overview system. You just hit super and then you have everything there. You can search, you can see your windows and all that sort of stuff. So I hope they do keep that because that's, that is very nice. That is very useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they also have built-in auto-rotation as well now, which if you ever put Linux on tablets and things, that's a little bit of a pain to patch in to get the auto-rotating screen. So that's the true. fact they have that built in, and are they thinking of that on a, maybe a System76 portable device is coming? Yeah. Oh. I mean, why focus <laughs> on that system? I'm not saying it happened. That's Ryan making up a rumor, but I mean... They put it in but there. But it by sounds default. like a good rumor, so let's go <laughs> with it. Let's go with it. Yeah. The other cool it. thing they're working on is really good multi-monitor support. They they, they stress that in some of their articles. Yes. Yeah. That is fantastic because <laughs> it's kind of interesting how many people in the Linux community want to use multiple desktops. Yeah. And, or multiple monitors. Monitors. Yeah. And how many DEs have issues with multiple monitors. It's yeah. it's very interesting. It's gotten better. It's gotten, it's gotten better. way better. That's true. Than it and it, it, yeah. every D, every D has improved many many times over since you know when I first started. But the it just seems like that's something that would be more important. And I really like the fact that they're putting it as a focus to include that. Yeah. In fairness, though, Windows is complete hot garbage when it comes to managing multiple monitors to this day because. Yeah. When I go to work and dock my laptop, I got one monitor that will turn on, the other one's like no signal, then it starts flickering. Then sometimes they're both yeah. on, but one's flickering crazy because it well, uses a different I mean, hertz. That's, I mean, that's it's a, a good hot point. mess. That's a good point. However, I yeah. also think you could have just finished, stopped the sentence at Windows is hot garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the scaling, right. they've improved scaling so much on you know different monitors for different resolutions. That that I'm looking that is forward important. to. Yeah. yeah. If you have a 4K monitor, you yes. will notice like I do when right you don't down. have that set up yeah. with, <laughs> like with the scaling properly. Yeah. Yeah. Auto detection is a big deal there. But you know what? When we do get our hands on this alpha release, which I think we should get it ahead of everyone else. Yeah. System 76 absolutely. is listening. It would really be nice. I agree. I mean, we won't force your hand, but <laughs> we're not going really to force nice We're not going to publicly preview. shame you until you just give us access we, to it. We, we would never, never do, do that. that. But, you know, as soon as that installs, the very first application I'm putting on that is going to be Bitwarden, of course. Mm. And this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. That's slash T-U-X. Password Manager is software allows you a peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure. 
Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords, even automatically fill them in on login forms. You can access your data on many types of devices, your web browser, your mobile apps, desktop applications, even the command line. And Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it leaves your device. Really important distinction between it and other password managers out there. So go right now. They got a $10 premium account as well. $10 a year. Freaking amazing. Go to bitwarden.com slash ducks. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring Destination Linux. In the news this week, we have some fun things to talk about. Now, Ooh. So there's been some drama this week regarding some changes that have been made with RHEL or Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Now, there have been some clickbait articles and some YouTube videos about it saying, is Red Hat has gone closed source or Red Hat has gone in proprietary. I am sick that, of it. So, so I said that that's what they were oh. saying. Well, they wouldn't make that title if it wasn't true, right? Well, here's the thing. Some people do make that title and not believe it, but other times they make that title and not know what they're talking about. So what we're here to do is give you the full context of what this actually is happening and where whether or not it's going closed source. So we'll first answer that question. Has Red Hat gone closed source? No, it is not. Has Red Hat gone proprietary? No. No, of course not. That's ridiculous. (laughs) So they've made some changes to their infrastructure, but they've not changed the core essence of the company. So that's what these these articles and these videos are trying to claim and are just complete I'm sorry, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. Number one, we as a community need to stop clicking that crap because the reason they create articles like that and honestly hurt Linux and open source, because I saw some comments on a Reddit forum saying, you know what, this whole thing has made me decide I'm going back to Windows and leaving Linux altogether. This type of crap that these YouTubers put out there with these headlines, which by the way, gets them clicks. That's why they do it. That's why they have a million more clicks than we do. They have a million more subscribers than we do in YouTube because they do this. We don't, and we suffer from it. And I think we need to just say it. Like It's frustrating for us because oh. we actually go and interview and talk to people in the industry and, and get research. the real news and then give you a non-clickbaitable title. But then nobody wants to do that. They want the hot take, the hot tea, the, all this type of junk. And, and these people are rewarded for their misinformation and are actually hurting Linux at the same time. Like the open source and Linux community gets devastated from these morons. And we are really trying to fix that here. I thought what you were saying is when you said, and we're just going to go ahead and say it, we're going to do clickbait now. I thought that's what you you were going. Okay, maybe we should, (laughs) frankly, because the other thing of like telling the real news behind stuff doesn't seem to work as well. Maybe we should clickbait and then put a question mark on it. Instead of saying that Red Hat has gone closed source, we'll say, has Red Hat gone closed source? Question mark, exclamation point. And then then we'll see what happens from there. But the answer to that is no, no, it hasn't. And that's ridiculous. So there, there are things that have happened, just not that. So two years ago, Red Hat introduced CentOS Stream, which was to to discontinue CentOS Linux, which was the Basically, it was a free version of Rail that that Red Hat was making, and it was also a clone. But you know, it's a little more complicated than that. But CentOS Stream is positioned now upstream to Rail, and this means that it's a kind. It's not really a rolling release or anything like that. But it is. You're going to see things that are not necessarily in Rail right now because they're working on the next version of Rail, and that's what CentOS Stream is now. 
this meant there is no longer like a deck, a direct one-to-one clone of rail created by red hat, which to be fair, didn't make sense in the first place. But the, what it really would happen is that these other clones were created based on the controversy of how Red Hat handled this announcement when they made this change for CentOS stream. And we did have some people on from Red Hat come on DL and have an interview about this. So we'll have that linked in the show notes if you want to have more details about Wait, that. Wait, we actually had real sources? We did yeah. research and we even brought in someone from Red Hat who was a part of this whole situation and they gave us full context. That's crazy. That's our problem. Yeah. We're never going to be hot on TikTok doing crap like that. Michael. <laughs> we got to talk Please. to the lovely Mike McGrath. <laughs> yes. It was an amazing interview. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so now let's fast forward to this week. Red Hat has announced that CentOS Stream will now be the sole repository for public rail related source code releases. Now you might be wondering, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that if you want to get access to the rail source code, you have access as a customer or a partner of Red Hat under their customer portal. If you want to get access and like the open source software, you still can, but you won't get the exact versions that are going into Red Hat Enterprise Linux or RHEL. You're going to get what is going into future versions of RHEL. So it's not a one-to-one exact. It's in CentOS stream, yes. So you are going to get the source code. They're not proprietary. They're not closing the source. CentOS stream is the source but there's some additional work that goes into creating RHEL from stream. And that is what's not going to be available going forward unless you're a customer. Now, if you're a customer, you still get access to that code. All they're doing is making it so that if someone wants to make a clone, they're going to be using the exact same sources that Red Hat is doing rather than just being able to take what makes Red Hat and easily and just copy So to summarize it. this, we had CentOS originally, which was basically a one-to-one clone of Rel. Yes. That went away. We now have CentOS Stream, which in one of our patrons, I think put perfectly, is what was, what is, and what will be in Rel. That's what CentOS Stream kind of represents. Right. And so now, if you want to that one-to-one clone, you have to go in there and you would have to take out some of the stuff that's not yet in Rel in order to make that one-to-one clone probably with some additional adjustments, meaning you would actually have to work and do some type of work if you were to take, say, RHEL's key product and you want to go resell it without doing anything else yourself other than to say, hey, we've got this other thing called Ryan's competitor to RHEL. It's really hot. It's that Super seems cool very close in the name there, Ryan. You should put a little more effort yeah. into your naming. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, before you could just take the source code of RHEL and then make your own version of RHEL and then pretend that you're doing something special. And there's a lot of companies that are doing that. Now, there are some in instances where there are people making a product that is for the purpose of contributing back to Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and they have done so. And then there's other examples where they're effectively parasites and they're just trying to take advantage of the generosity that Red Hat has offered for many, many years. But What's the, the difference between a symbiotic relationship, Michael, and a parasite relationship? Well, the difference in this case is that a symbiotic relationship is a distribution that or a clone that is created as a derivative of RHEL and then makes some improvements, sees some bu- does some bug testing, some quality assurance, things like that to help 
the thing they're based on. And there are clones that do that for Rel. And then there are other clones that just pretend that they're super special when all they do is really change the branding and then that's it. And that would be the parasite type. Okay, but I'm a normal user, Michael, and I still just want a regular copy of Rel. And I don't have the time to go out there and CentOS stream and remove and figure sure, out the different sure. changes and all of that. Mm-hmm. So Rel has kicked me out, right? No, not at oh, all. Dang. So what they actually have is a developer edition where you can just sign up for an account and they'll give you up to 16 instances of using Rel for free. So if you are a regular user or you only Those need jerks. Yeah, you only need less than 16. Why not then 17? You can just have you can just have Rel how like however you want to use it, and you still get updates and all that sort of stuff. So you can totally use Rel for free if you want to. You know what? Fine, Michael. Uh, if you're not going to give me a clickbait title there, then what about Susa? They yeah, don't do this. They do this, actually. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this is right. how it's already structured. So Susa. But I was going to have the headline, Susa wouldn't do this. Uh, uh, well, unfortunately, mark. we can't use that clickbait title because Susa oh. does have it separated. Canonical also has it separated. So there's oh, yeah. they give they give free versions of their distribution, just like Red Hat is doing, but they don't give literally everything away. So you mean essentially Pro. Ubuntu Pro. Right. Ubuntu They're not Pro. giving that away. So yeah. uh, effectively, Red Hat is doing what the other companies are already doing and what they, you know, arguably should do because giving away the how to make your own product for you can basically just say, hey, here's the recipe and copy and paste our product. That's effectively what they could be doing with the previous version. Now, you could even say in the terms of like recipe and the things, they're still offering the ingredients and they're offering details about how to use that ingredients but they're not giving the exact measurements right now. Like that's effectively what they're changing. So if you wanted to do some work and build your own clone of Rel and use the CentOS stream, you totally can. And that's what some of the clones have already said they're going to do. Wow. I don't know where I'm supposed to be mad at. I will say this and this not stop joking here for a second and say Red Hat. I love you. I really do. But your communication is terrible. I mean, it's really bad. We, and so we are big fans of Red of Hat, these, but not fans of your communication some efforts. Some of these derivatives found out about this because things just suddenly stopped being where they were once before, and then they released the announcement and stuff. And I get it. Rel doesn't owe them anything technically, but when you've done something for so long, it would just be nice to be like, hey... Let's let these people know we're making this change and at least give them a minute to adjust there. But outside of the communication, which is terrible, this is really not an issue. In my yeah. in my mind, this is not an issue. This is a company doing what, if you ran this company, you honestly were responsible for thousands of people's livelihoods. Would you allow companies, other companies to just come in and take all of your code and do nothing and give nothing back and repackage your work and your employees' work with doing nothing and make it as easy as humanly possible to do so, it would be stupid. You you could not pass a red face test and tell me you would do that if you ran the company. It just yeah. it doesn't make sense. Especially and, when there are some of these that are parasites, like we talked about, that effectively try to pretend that they're more special than RHEL when they 100% depend on RHEL to even exist. So it's kind of 
ridiculous that people would even get annoyed. What the reaction should have been was, yeah, of course they did that because that's what a business should do, not give away their stuff that easily. They did before, right? They did give it away before in CentOS and then they kind of stopped, but... Well, technically speaking, CentOS was created way before many years ago by a bunch of people who were kind of creating a collaboration effort between a couple projects like Tail Linux and some other stuff. And then they eventually were, the the entire project was going to go away and the people who were working on it were going to start doing other jobs. And Red Hat wanted those people to continue to work on improving Red Hat or RHEL and CentOS in a way. So they technically acquired CentOS, but what they were really doing was AccuHiring, which was they were hiring the people involved in the project so that they would now work for Red Hat and so that they would be able to benefit from all the work and knowledge that those people were already doing. So it's it's a very complicated topic of where CentOS came from. And there's also people who are claiming to be founders who are not. And then there's other things about how Red Hat has handled CentOS. And I don't think that they did anything necessarily bad because the project of CentOS, people would, a first time was like, oh, Red Hat's going to buy CentOS and kill it. And then eventually when this these changes happened with Stream, they're like, see, I told you, CentOS was going to g- disband and die anyway. So what they did was give it a lifeline to continue to develop until it made sense for Red Hat to basically integrate everything into one system. And that's what it should have done. And that's what people should have expected. So the fact that people are getting mad over this, it's just super weird. Well, I think we have to talk about, in my opinion, the changing dynamics of the projects too. Like in in the past, and I'm not aware, but I'm not, there was, I think one company I could think of, and I'm not going to name drop here, that was kind of taking advantage of, of CentOS in a way. But imagine you release a product for free that you spend millions of dollars in payroll to support yourself, your company. And then other companies are coming in there and utilizing that for free. That's free and open source. That's fine. But then they start talking trash about you as they're taking your free product and talking trash to you about you, to your customers about your free product that you're giving for free, that you're doing all the work for, that you're paying for the payroll. Imagine that, like how frustrating that would feel to do something like that and then have people come back and start talking like that about your product like i'm surprised honestly red hat hasn't done more uh, at, at this point um red hat has a communication problem but i think they've been overly uh, they've con- been incredibly generous yes yeah and i think that your point is very interesting because the people who are attacking red hat for this are completely ignoring the decades of work that Red Hat has done to to even be in the position they are, where they have clones who claim to fame is that they are one-to-one compatible or bug-to-bug compatible. The only way to do that is to copy and paste the content. Like The fact that Red Hat even allowed that in the first place arguably would be... uh, Most CEOs would come in and say, don't do that, right? But... (laughs) There's the other thing is, is that the fact that they're doing that in an open source way, and they're still open source people, they're still doing that. But I think that you would even say that this is a good example of the community or people who are benefiting for free or the people who are feeling like they're entitled somehow to this. Unleashing vitriol against Red Hat. This is an example of why companies 
don't push open source. This is why some companies see, see even the biggest, most loved company in open source with Red Hat is getting hate for having the audacity to still give it open source, but doing it in a different way. It's a changing of the model, and somehow that gets them attacked. See, that's why we won't go open source. This is a, a great example of a community eating our own for zero benefit in doing it. And it's a great way for people to point at that and say, well, that's why we'll never do it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, Jill? Oh, boy. Well, well, initially, when I first heard the news, I, I knew I think people are overreacting. I need to find out more information. And don't ever do that, Jill. That's not the new. That is not the culture we Come live on, in. Come on, Jill. Jill, don't yeah. be this rational. Is the TikTok generation. We just whatever's on the internet's true. Yeah, and and you know, I I knew there was a really good reason for for doing this, and that it actually is positive and not a negative. I think it's positive for the fact that you know the desktop is not going to get where we want it to be if we don't have companies that have money that are investing in, in building yes. it out. Yes. yes. Absolutely. And so I, I know that in the Linux culture and open source culture, and I get it, we see so many companies that are destroying things we love and they do horrible things to get money and be greedy and all of that stuff. And so it's easy to hate every big corporation. But I think you have to take case by case basis and look at ultimately what have these companies done in the broader picture, what are they contributing back? Mm -hmm. Where would we be without them? And yes. those are the questions you should ask before thinking. That doesn't mean Red Hat doesn't make bad decisions or Canonical doesn't make bad decisions. They have long lists of them. So does every company and every person in the world. Yeah. Uh, but because there's they no reason made by humans and human yeah, beings. To exaggerate these things out there and not kind of think to yourself, what would I do if I was CEO and I was responsible for? you know, thousands of employees being able to put food on their table. Yeah. And I have somebody out here bashing everything we do and those type of stuff. And would I make it so simple and easy that I give away all of my labor that I've paid for for free to everybody else without them even having to lift a single finger in order to, to utilize it. So I don't know. Like I said, I, I think we've beat this one into the ground to say... I think uh, we have, but there's a couple things that we still need to cover because I know okay. for a fact, if we don't cover it, we're going to get some some YouTube comments. We're going to get some oh, tweets. Oh, we're already going to get those. I mean, I mean, use hot clickbait title. Like, I mean, sure, we're going to get yeah. those. But I'm saying there's things that are going to be like the, the people who spread the hate are going to say, oh, you didn't cover this. So let's just go ahead and cover those things. So there are people saying that Red Hat doesn't contribute to open source. Oh. That's nonsense. Yeah. What? Yes. Ridiculous. Is, I've seen that in comments. I've seen that in YouTube comments. I've seen it on um, like Reddit cut threads. It's absurd to say that because Red Hat is one of the most contributing companies that has ever existed for Linux and open source. Now, let's. the other one I wanted to cover is the GPL. People would say that they are violating the GPL. And I've seen people claim this. And now here's what I'm, I'll go ahead and give you the details. They are not at all violating the GPL. The GPL does not require you to provide any source code to anyone except for customers that you give binaries to. So for example, if you were to make some software and you were to sell it to your customer and that software is $50,000, you are not obligated to give that software to anyone except that person who paid $50,000. 
That is what happens in some cases with like these industry specific like mega companies who make these super specific. They can still be open source, but the people who would get that source code would have to pay a lot of money to do it. In the case of Red Hat, they just give it to you. The only difference here is that they're not going to tell you exactly what to do to make a copy. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. And you can still get it if you're a customer of Red Hat. You can become a customer and get the regular source that shows you how to how it works. So they're not violating the GPL in any way whatsoever. And when anyone you see anybody say they are, they just don't understand the license. And that's okay because yeah. most people don't understand the license. And I'm not a lawyer, so I don't fully understand the license. But this one particular paragraph, I spent a lot of time reading it. <laughs> Yeah. And then you should think to yourself, would RHEL violate a license, the company that is so ridiculously, insanely cautious about everything they do with the license? The, the answer automatically to me would be right. no. They are way over. You can guarantee their lawyers spent a lot of time seeing if this would be a, a viable thing to do or when not. When you look at everything <laughs> they do with Codex and other stuff that other distros just kind of like whatever will ride the gray line. Red Hat never rides the gray line with that stuff there insanely overly cautious in my opinion but yeah well you know back in the early 90s red hat they are the ones that created enterprise on linux they are that foundational distro that created that so no wonder everyone you know is focused on red hat what red hat is doing or not doing that's understandable but they they you know have progressed Linux and we are here talking about Linux because of Red Hat. Yeah. So here's what I would like to do to the community before we move on is if you join our Discord or part of our Discord, we're going to have a topic this week of what should our clickbait title should have been. <laughs> and it will be a fun game in which you create the most ridiculous title you can think of. We won't actually use it, but what should have been our clickbait title for this episode? That's the challenge this week. We won't use it unless. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> That's terrible, Michael. You're such a bad human. <laughs> if it works, right. it works. And as yeah. long as it's clickbait in a true way, we don't want to make up fake things, you know? We don't want like, you to say... is Red Hat gone closer? No, I want yeah. the most ridiculous things you could come up with, people. Okay. That'll be fun this week. Go for it. <laughs> Did Red right, Hat Jill. change their hat color to a blue? Oh... Uh, <laughs> Or a black hat? <laughs> Not Jill, going there. Why? Why are you going so angry, Jill? We got to keep it positive, Jill. Yeah. Come on, Jill. Please take us into gaming. Give us something yeah, positive. This is a, a really fun game. So there aren't many games that can say they have over 6,000 overwhelmingly positive reviews. But Necessi is one of those games. Wait, and Jill. <laughs> if if they wanted to, they could use clickbait and just say it, whether it's true or not. You know, oh, like it just. Yeah, this is true. You, you said they, there's not many games that could say it. Uh, anybody could say it. Just yeah. <laughs> this seems to be actually true, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they they can't wait to spill the tea. <laughs> there you go. Can't wait to spill the tea. About six thousand positive yes, reviews. Yes. So necessity, and I actually looked up. Up the name in the dictionary, it's necessary or the truth, which mm, perfect. <laughs> is perfect for today's episode. Man, whoever wrote this episode <laughs> is a genius. So hey, for those who are not aware of who writes this episode, the person who just claimed they would be a genius is the person who wrote <laughs> the it. Person 
<laughs> Don't expose my secrets, Michael. Aww. But I agree. It's a very well-written episode. <laughs> Thank you. Thank for, the, you. for those who are also curious, no, it's not scripted. We just write yeah. out what we're going to... We, we, we yeah. pick the topics we're going to cover, and then yeah. Ryan does... It was like, just, just, magic. Just, it's if magic. You, if you think that we're able to script sauce. this kind of back and forth, I mean, that would be impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I write this out every week. <laughs> so Necessity is a top-down sandbox action adventure game in a procedurally generated world. And it's it's cool because you progress your character's gear and settlement through fighting, mining, exploring, crafting, trading, and more. It actually really reminds me of games like Terraria or Don't Starve. Don't Starve is one of my favorites. And Subnautica, which I've really gotten into. (laughs) And it's really cool because you establish a settlement and travel to other islands with unique biomes, cool monsters, loot, and recruit awesome settlers on your way. Loot and and recruit. (laughs) Yeah, loot and recruit. (laughs) And just as amazing is the amount of people who love this game, even though this game is still in early access. <laughs> I find that, that amazing. Impressive. And it's been in early access for a very long time, since 2019. Oh, let me explain that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, one of my favorite elements is, is not just the game mechanics, but is the graphics of the monster's movements. They're like snakes that... There are these snakes that slither like animated sand around the environment, which is really <laughs> neat and is is similar to some other games, but they do it in a very unique way and very fluid way. And I was impressed with, with, with just how the monsters move around the environment and you're trying to attack them and, and take them down. <laughs> now, how much do you charge for a game with 6,000 overwhelmingly positive reviews that stays in... Uh, early access as long as Google products stay. Yeah, yeah, Ryan, it's only six dollars and sixty nine cents. Wow! On uh, Steam right now for, at thirty three percent off. So go go price. grab it. And yeah. it, I love these kind of games. Yes, I love this this type of game where it proves that graphics aren't everything because the yeah. big studios have forgotten this, and so they create really pretty game. Mm-hmm. That absolutely is boring and worthless. Whereas this shows that you can create a really um, simple graphical game, but have such a strong story exactly. and dynamic the and kind story. of a sandbox environment yeah. that people uh, really enjoy that aspect of it. So that's why I like these type of games making big splashes like this one. Yeah, this is th- this is a, would be a great game to you know spend a day with and, and just get immersed in the world. And um, it it plays great on the Steam Deck too. Woo-hoo. Yep. And Zeb, who is <laughs> with us here, those who've been with the show for a long time know Zeb was a host of Destination Linux. <laughs> yes. And Zeb loves pixel games. Yes. Loves them. <laughs> we know that. It's I'm thinking for one of the holidays because the holidays are right around the corner. We pick this up for Zeb. Yeah. You know. And we can have him do a review where he could just like let us know what he thinks. And as long as it's more than the word next, I think we'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the only word we'll get back. Probably. <laughs> next. All right. So if you found yourself getting the tiling bug after the talking about Cosmic DE there. Of course you did. Yes. Yeah. Well, you should. You can check out I3WM and Sway. We've talked about that a lot. But our software spotlights a different one to check out called Left WM. Left is a tiling manager written in Rust for stability and performance. What mm. else is written in Rust, Michael? 
lots of things, including Cosmic Desktop. Yeah. There you go. Rust is known for stability and performance, too. And the core of Left is designed to do one thing and one thing well, and that's be a window manager. It's not a Swiss Army knife, Michael. Quit trying to make it one. It's just a window manager, okay? And there's lots of theming capabilities in there. And your mute still on, which you did last episode, and it's hilarious that you did it again this episode. I'm going to keep talking about it so you can't cut it out of the show. What were you going to say, Michael? Challenge accepted. I will be able to cut it out. No problem. Aww. Left but, WM reminds me a lot of X Monad, but yep. without all the pretty theming. <laughs> True. So true. Yeah, it's 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 but it's really cool. <laughs> wait, wait. The way you said it implies that left doesn't have pretty theming. Oh, oh, okay. No, I I, <laughs> I meant to say that left WM has great theming. Um, and it's yep. easier to do the theming than X Men Ad. Key. Yeah. Yes. That's the key <laughs> is the easiness in which you can do the theming yeah. in there. You could choose between different bars, compositors, backgrounds, colors, whatever makes you happy. Uh, I will keep it default. But for other people Probably. who go out there and change stuff, that's so that's, there you go. So Ryan, I have a really quick question about this. So left WM, how does it do the tiling? Do you always have to go left when you move your windows? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a NASCAR race. Yeah, it? exactly. Like, it's turning left, turn left, but it just many times. Left, I think left, right. left. So if you want to put it yeah. in the top right corner, you got to go left, 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 left. Yeah, I think that should be a challenge for the community as well, that you install left WM, but all of your shortcuts have to use left in them at some point <laughs> and see if you can get everything shortcutted by just using the left arrow. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Uh, it also has built in from the very beginning support for multiple screens and ultra wide monitors. So if that's something that you've kind of struggled with in other uh, different environments, left WM should work really well for that. So check it out. Let us know what you think of it. Our tip of the week this week, well, since we've been talking about tiling and Cosmic DE, I, I think this is a perfect time to tell you about the tiling that you can do in KDE Plasma. Oh, come on. We <laughs> so, only made it an entire episode without so, this. To use the tiling functionality in KDE Plasma, you can press and hold the super key and then use the arrow keys. And if you do a multiple back and forth between the, like one of the arrow keys and another arrow key, you can actually put it in quarter tiling. So for example, you want it to be in the top right, you can push up then right while holding super down the entire time. And there's a lot of cool stuff they introduced in the new system for tiling because you can do, this is the quick way of tiling, but they also have a much more specific way you can create your own grids and columns and all sorts of stuff with their new tiling system that you can find some details in the show notes that will have linked to you. But also another thing you can do is check out the video that I made about 17 plasma tips in under seven minutes where I give you a lot more awesome ways that KDE Plasma is the best desktop environment. You just, you couldn't help yourself, could you? What do you mean? <laughs> it just bothered you that we had an episode talking about another desktop environment and they were the well, sole news we gonna, source. No, we were talking you, about tiling and I just figured uh, be, people would like to know that you can do tiling built in with KDE Plasma. There should like be a, like a KDE support group or things out there that Aww. could help, you know, like. What, you don't need a support group. It's so good. It's automatically just fantastic. <laughs> this is built right in. So there, there you go. Good point. That I video's will, awesome. I'm going way, to Mike. defend Michael no, on this one. I have been enjoying the tiling on KDE Plasma on SteamOS on my Steam Deck. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll have you added into the Plasma Anonymous group as well. <laughs> All right, a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. 
You can come join us in the Discord. Go to tuxdigital.com slash Discord. Remember, this week, your challenge is to come up with the most ridiculous clickbait title for this episode possible. Put that in the Discord. I can't wait to laugh at those. And if you want to watch the show live, you can become a patron of Destination Linux and you get like all kinds of awesome stuff. Yeah, because watching live is just one of the awesome perks you get. You can, Mm -hmm. when you become a patron, you can get access to that plus unedited versions of the show. Plus also you can join us in the patron only post show that happens every week right after the show. And you get all of this and much more by becoming a patron by going to tuxdigital.com slash membership. And you can also go to the Tux Digital store and get some awesome swag like Ryan's hat that he's wearing, the shirt I'm wearing, all great, all tons of great stuff at the tuxdigital.com slash store because we have uh, hoodies, mugs, stickers, coasters, t-shirts, and so much more. Check it out, tuxdigital.com slash store. And make sure to check out all the incredible shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, Linux Saloon, and our newest show, Fit and Fueled, to keep not only your minds fit, but your bodies fit too. Everyone head to TuxDigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching and the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Hold up, Michael. Before you do the closing of this show. What's that? Joe, what is on your shirt? Yes. (laughs) So my shirt. That's interesting. You point that out. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not short. I'm I'm penguin-sized. Is that a reference to my height again, Jill? Yes. I was about to say, why do you I not kinda, have that shirt, Ryan? I kind of wore it on, on, on because purpose. I am the average height for a male my age at 5'12", Michael. 5'12". <laughs> you are just a circus freak, okay? I, I'm not the size of a penguin, and I'm sick of you telling I would, I would. I didn't give that shirt to Jill. I wish I had. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> so, but it just seems perfect. You know, well done, Jill. So Nico Jet said, is that a picture of Ryan on Jill's T-shirt? <laughs> oh. Nice. nice. But the truth is, is, is I'm shorter than the average woman, <laughs> so I can wear this shirt. I'm under 5'1". Well, that well, shirt is awesome. Is By good. the way, the emperor penguin is 5'9", so they're not too much shorter than my 5'12 that I yes. tower in. Pretty at. sure true. you've got some numbers mixed up there. No, Ryan. it's on the internet. So, it's so it must be true because there's yes. clickbait involved. I literally searched it on <laughs> the internet and it's, it's right there. You searched for <laughs> how tall are, are emperor penguins uh, dash 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 5'9", <laughs> and then it just found an article that it looked exactly what you were looking for. So, Ryan, okay, Ryan so, you're just penguin-sized. That's all. It's okay. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Ryan, I, I understand you don't like short, short jokes because they go over your head. Oh, my God. You know what? I don't have to take this. You know, I could go to one of those respectable shows on our network, yeah. like the pseudo <laughs> show, you and don't. not be taken, Ryan. treated like this over there. Ryan, you're totally right. You don't have to take <laughs> this because the show's over. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the KDE destination. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Send help. Thanks, everyone. It's, it's, See you next yeah. week.